1: John, I want to talk about the talent story because, of course, we know it's harder to get into Blackstone than it is to get into Harvard, for example. How are you thinking about adding staff this year?
0: Well, talent is the most important thing here at Blackstone. You know, what we create is based on the incredibly talented people who work at this firm. Uh, We love bringing in super talented, driven people of all sorts of backgrounds Uh, from all over the world. It's one of the things that makes me most proud about this company. It's really in the DNA of this firm, driven by Steve Schwarzman, a real focus on great people, meritocracy. I'd say in terms of hiring for the year ahead, I think we will continue to grow our headcount. I think the pace of growth will be a function of the pace of deal activity, the pace of fundraising. If those things accelerate, You'll probably see more hiring as you get through the back half of the year. So there will be more spots for people who want to come and work at this firm. It is a very selective place. And it's also a fun place, as you know, Chanali. We were proud of our holiday video. We had something like 8 million people who watched it, which is a little crazy. But it speaks to the brand and people's desire to connect with Blackstone. And there's big desire to work here as well.
1: John, let's just take a big look at Blackstone for a moment here as you report your full year of results for last year, because it wasn't too long ago when Blackstone surpassed Morgan Stanley in market value. It begs the question, as investors move to private assets, are you gunning to go after J.P. Morgan, too, now?
0: Well, good morning, Shanali. I I guess I just start with the quarter, which we're particularly proud about. we had really the, the best quarter since middle of 2022 when it relates to distributable earnings, when it relates to investment activity and fundraising. And, and what's happening in our business um, is we're benefiting from this regime shift as we move from this uh, rising cost of capital environment, which we saw under the Fed for the last couple of years, into an environment here where as inflation comes down, the Fed's easing, and that leads to a virtuous cycle for our business. Equity markets open up, debt cost to capital comes down, IPOs occur, MA activity picks up, and that's very positive for our business in terms of a reacceleration. But what we're really proud about, and it speaks to our firm, is during this challenging two-year period, We've shown real resilience, and that is important to our investors and our stock, but also our limited partners. And so when I think about the business longer term, we're very excited about alternatives as a sector. Investors across the landscape are coming to alternatives, and we as the leader in the space are uniquely positioned. So, yeah. We have a lot of optimism about the future and in terms of how big the company can get, it's all a function of us delivering for our customers.
1: Well, let's talk about what made the company bigger in the last quarter. A lot of your inflows really came in the credit space. But at the same time, John, there are a lot of investors out there who are worried that perhaps private credit is approaching bubble territory. The question becomes, are there enough opportunities out there to prudently put the money to work?
0: When, when you talk about things like a bubble in credit, what I like to look at is how much risk is there. And, and if you look at the loans were originating in direct lending to private equity sponsors, on average today, they're about 40 percent loan to value. That's almost half of what they were back in the 06, 07 period when we had an actual bubble default rates in credit across our non-investment grade borrowers are less than 30 basis points. So we still see a very healthy market out there. What we do expect is that transaction activity will pick up and that folks like us in the private credit space are in a really great position to deliver for borrowers. If you think about what we do, we make loans to companies and hold them either on behalf of our pension fund clients It could be for individual investors in the form of BDCs or an investment grade for our insurance companies. And we can deliver certainty to borrowers. And that is taking more share. And so I think what we're seeing is a structural shift towards private credit. It doesn't mean that we're seeing excesses build up in the system, as I said, because the fundamentals in terms of loan to value, credit quality still remain strong.
1: How do you feel about the uh, opportunity here for M&A to move forward? You mentioned deals coming back, but the reality is uh, we've only seen it in drips and drabs. How fast do you see yourself putting hundreds of billions of dry powder to work?
0: Well, we do have 200 billion of dry powder. So uh, M&A activity picking up is helpful for our business. I think looking back over time, it's helpful to have a little perspective. If you went back to the early 90s, M&A activity declined 50, 60%. It was down similarly in 08, 09, and again, the last two years. But invariably, because private equity sponsors want to sell, companies want to sell non-core divisions, families want liquidity, institutions want to sell things, invariably, things start to happen again. And I think now, given this shift in rates, we'll begin to see more of that. So our expectation is we'll see a pickup And if you looked in our fourth quarter, you see some early signs of that. Our our, uh, lending area saw more than a doubling in terms of uh, new loans we were making. If you looked in our private equity area, we had been working on some of these transactions a long time, but in the last six weeks of the year, we announced six deals across the U.S. and Europe, many in sectors we like, digital marketplaces, enterprise software, energy transition, And in real estate, we also saw a pickup in activity, privatizations, a big distressed loan portfolio. So we are seeing a pickup. It does often take a bit of time But things are starting to loosen. So it does feel like, for M&A, a a bit of an inflection point.
1: John, it was very notable to see take privates happen across the private equity industry, going from public markets shrinking yet again, going into private hands. Do you see a lot more spinoffs and take privates coming to Blackstone in the following year?
0: Well, I think we'll continue to see that activity. Um, There are companies out there who don't feel like they're, they're getting valued appropriately. There are some SPACs from a different era that may not be trading particularly well. There may be real estate companies trading at a discount to their underlying asset value. There could be infrastructure companies that could be great long-term holds in the private market. So I think we'll see some of that. But I also think we'll see plenty of private activity. If you think about the trillions of dollars of assets held by families and particularly private equity sponsors, there's going to be a desire to move towards liquidity. And that will create a lot of opportunity across various areas of Blackstone.
1: Well, big question about exits as well. Realized performance fees had been pressured for you guys across the industry. Do you think the IPO market is opening enough for exits for Blackstone portfolio companies?
0: You know, you would expect at some point it's gonna reopen. It's been a tough couple years for IPOs and a bit like M&A, there's cyclicality to this. And I do think we'll start to see a better IPO market, particularly as cost of capital here is coming down. Um, Exit sometimes takes some time. It's like a conveyor belt. You have to identify the companies you wanna look to sell, consider an IPO, maybe a private sale. Those processes take time. But a more conducive market is helpful for that activity as you look forward, as you look towards the back half of 24. So, yeah, we have some optimism that equity markets and receptivity to new companies should improve.
1: John, real estate. You mentioned it a couple of times. The big open question in the market is how much more do real estate values have to fall?
0: So I think real estate values are bottoming here. It's it's not a V in terms of recovery, but but there are some positive signs. I would note we still will see troubled assets that were financed in a different period of time. They're gonna emerge over the next couple of years, particularly in the office sector. There are some areas like multifamily housing where there's a lot of supply and the fundamentals will be challenged as you look forward the next 12 months or so. But going back to this cost of capital, we've seen the 10-year move from 5% to 4.15%. We've seen spreads come down. That's very helpful for real estate. And new supply, new construction starts in real estate, particularly in our biggest sector, logistics, have fallen by something like 75% from the peak. That starts to create, really, the foundation for a recovery. Now, the way we think about this is things go down, they bottom. You bounce along here. Some sectors don't do as well. Some start to recover faster. The key for us with $65 of dry powder in real estate is to take advantage of this time. Going back again in time, 2009, that summer, fall, we started deploying capital before the all-clear sign. If you look at what we've done in real estate the last 60 days... The signature transaction, their mortgage loan portfolio. We announced a big joint venture with Digital Realty, which we also did with our infrastructure group. And then recently, a residential privatization of a company in the U.S. and Canada, Tricon. That reflects our view, which is we want to invest into this period of time, move on to offense before everybody's calm about real estate, why people are still Mm -hmm. nervous. At some point, that recovery will come. It'll be very clear to everybody. Generally, then it's too late.
1: What about the cost of housing here, owning homes, rentals in America in an election year where even if inflation is cooling, you're still looking at Americans face housing costs that many are calling now an affordability crisis? Do you have any jitters about the sector given the politicization of it?
0: Well, I would say at its core, the problem we have in housing in America is supply. If you look at the data, we are building in 2023, we built basically the same number of homes as we did in 1960, when the population of the U.S. was about half. And we really haven't gotten new supply restarted in a meaningful way since the financial crisis. And that has created a real imbalance. And so I I do think... There should be more emphasis on how we can make it more affordable, particularly on zoning, property taxes, um, in some places creating tax incentives to create more supply. This company I mentioned that we've committed to acquire is building a billion dollars of homes here in the U.S. right now, another couple billion dollars in Canada where they have an even more acute housing shortage. I do think it's a sector where more capital has to come. There has to be more building. And I think rates coming down will help that. But in the near term, I think we'll see less housing construction. The other beneficial thing we talked about is because of the supply spurt in multifamily housing, renters will face a better environment over the next 12 months.
1: So even with Blackstone playing a role here in the supply question. Do you still worry, though, that firms like Blackstone will get dragged further into the debate on ownership in America?
0: Well, it's a it's a question, obviously, that comes out a lot. I think the numbers help provide perspective. There are 105 million single family homes in the United States. Institutional investors own, I think, less than half of 1% of all of those homes. Their buying is down close to 90% over the last five years. And so the core of this problem is not about institutional investors, it's supply demand. I'd also point out when an institutional investor buys a home and rents it out, the tenant there tends to have lower income. And therefore has access to a better school district community than somebody who's buying. You know, I would say on average it's about 50 percent less today to rent than to buy. And that creates opportunities. So I don't think it's one size fits all here. And I do think creating affordability is very helpful for families.
1: talked a little bit about real estate and performance and, and the bottoming out of the market. B-REIT had faced its worst performance last year since inception. Is there more pain to come there or do you think that performance there has bottomed out as well?
0: So when we look at B-REIT, uh, we're incredibly proud of, of what it's done last year. We did have very modestly negative performance. It has delivered 11% net since inception that is double the public market over that seven year period of time. We've done, I think, a really terrific job positioning in the best sectors, places like logistics, student housing, data centers, where rental growth continues to be strong. And so that gives us a lot of confidence. We've also focused in the much faster growing Sun Belt of the United States. I don't wanna go into projections, but what I would say um, is it feels like 2024 should be a better year than 2023. And then I would also point out on the redemption side, which had gotten a lot of focus in the press, those redemptions are now down about 80% from where they were a year ago. And if the current trends continue, we expect we'll no longer be prorating investors here in the first quarter. So that's another positive sign for B reit
1: Let's talk about the macro. You hinted a couple times here about the idea of shelter costs cooling and cooling even more throughout the year. What does that mean for the direction of inflation? And do you think it will allow the Fed to cut rates early this year?
0: So I think the Fed has a lot of air cover on inflation. Um, When we look at our portfolio, we see input costs for goods and materials basically flat year on year. When we survey our CEOs, hiring has gotten a lot easier. They're describing a lot less wage pressure. We talked about rental housing. And so we think the data the Fed will get will be pretty good. If you look at CPIX Shelter, it's actually now below 2%. I think the challenge is the Fed is looking at what happened in the 1970s and they're very reluctant to reignite inflation And so my gut is they will cut rates. The question is, will they do it as quickly and as deeply as the market wants? That's hard to say. But I think the direction of travel is pretty clear because there's good news on the inflation front.
1: Another question, Mark, around the cost of financing here is the U.S. fiscal load. You have the former Treasury Secretary, Robert Rubin, speaking to Bloomberg this week, saying that the U.S. is in a terrible place with its deficit. Do you agree with that remark, and do you think that there are longer-term ramifications, particularly with how we finance this country and all the companies in it?
0: Well, the U.S. today has a very valuable position in the world, given the scale of, our co- of uh, the economy, um, the desire of capital around the world to come here, the growth of the economy, our population still increasing. We have a lot of competitive advantages. But you point to something that is a structural challenge, which is we're running very large deficits. And that is something I think as a country we're going to have to tackle. It's hard to say When that becomes a real issue, when marketplace participants lose confidence, right now there continues to be a lot of confidence in the United States. But I do think longer term addressing those structural issues will help ensure growth and stability for a long time. So I do think it's something we're going to have to face.
1: Before I let you go here, John, I want to talk about the talent story, because, of course, we know it's harder to get into Blackstone than it is to get into Harvard, for example. How are you thinking about adding staff this year?
0: Well, talent is the most important thing here at Blackstone. You know, what we create is based on the incredibly talented people who work at this firm. Uh, We love bringing in super talented, driven people of all sorts of backgrounds Uh, from all over the world. It's one of the things that makes me most proud about this company. It's really in the DNA of this firm, driven by Steve Schwarzman, a real focus on great people, meritocracy. I'd say in terms of hiring for the year ahead, I think we will continue to grow our headcount I think the pace of growth will be a function of the pace of deal activity, the pace of fundraising. If those things accelerate, you'll probably see more hiring as you get through the back half of the year. So there will be more spots for people who want to come and work at this firm. It is a very selective place. And it's also a fun place, as you know, Chanali. We were proud of our holiday video. We had something like 8 million people who watched it, which is a little crazy. But it speaks to the brand and people's desire to connect with Blackstone, and there's big desire to work here as well.
1: The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry, and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QNB.